0: All right, Revelation 17 where we left off last week. Let's get a little bit of a running start. We are um at the end of this of the of the tribulation period, the 7-year tribulation. Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city. In chapter 17, we highlighted that the the religious system of the Babylonian um religion will be destroyed in 17, the commercial system in 18. I'm sorry, guys. When you go to seminary, they tell you you want to drink water. You make this really deep, profound point. And when the whole church is going, oh, that's when you drink water. Everybody say, oh. What's that? <laughs> so in 17, we see... The, the religious system being destroyed. In 18, we're going to see the commercial system being destroyed. Now, again, this mystery Babylonian religion, because it's just called Mystery Babylon in 17 and 18. There's no distinction really. I mean, when we read the details, we'll see exactly that there's, there is a distinction. It's, it's religious in 17. It's commercial in 18. But throughout the Bible, when you, when you have this idea of this Babylonian system, it's multifaceted. Right, We studied last week, and I hope I didn't bore too many of you too bad with the whole um, Nimrod and Semiramis and Tammuz story. But I thought it was important that at least we lay the foundation of the beginning of all um, Babylonian religions are, are have their roots and their beginnings in the Tower of Babylon with Nimrod and Semiramis. And everything has grown from that. And we talked about last week, and I think this is a, a very important um, concept for for understanding the Bible, understanding your enemy, knowing your enemy, knowing good and evil, this concept, very simply, that Jesus said there are two roads. One of them leads to destruction and one of them leads to salvation. The road that leads to salvation is very narrow. And the road that leads to destruction is very broad. And there's many lanes on the broad road of Satan's road, and he just continues to add different deceptions and different roads. And that's why, again, folks say there's so much out there to believe. How do I know what to believe? I get that question all the time. And I'm never offended by that question because it's an honest question. And if you're if you're a non-believer, you want that question answered. How do I know? How do I know I'm not going to be deceived? How do I know what's true? And and unfortunately, what what Satan has been so effective at that he began at the Tower of Babel is adding more and more lanes to that broad road that Jesus described. And so there's so much out there, so much deception. But again, we do have the encouragement and we do have the confidence that for those that want to seek the truth, they'll find it. And Jesus says that, and the Word of God says that multiple times, that if it's a sincerity of heart, and you're praying and you're seeking God, that you will find Jesus, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free, that it's not unknowable. It's a condition of the heart to cry out to God. You know, I've heard some testimonies of people who were um, very disrespectful and, and, and affrontive in their, their their approach to salvation and to God. And yet God ignored the the offense and and he honored and he touched their hearts and I think maybe on the inside they were crying out one particular story right after I became a Christian I lived in Hemet with a Christian family who did evangelism and outreach and they took me in and um and they had a woman that that lived in the bedroom before I did and she was she was addicted to heroin for most of her adult life and 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 when she came to Jesus she was so done with everything and trying to figure out what was going on in life and God and, and she yelled out to God she said God if there's a God in heaven, when I wake up in the morning, I won't be addicted to heroin anymore. And she shook her fist at, at, as she said it, you know. And she went to bed and she woke up in the morning and she never touched heroin again. And God honored her prayer. And, and I think in her heart, you know, even for me, in, in a, after I became a Christian and I got saved... You know, I, on the outside, there was sin that I was struggling with. And some of the same sins that God had delivered me from, some of the bondage that I was in, I had struggled in that first six months of walking with Christ where I was dabbling and going back. And and, and, and God was still blessing me because in my heart, God was honoring what was coming out of my heart. In my heart, I was crying out to God, God, I want to know the truth. God, I want to be set free. God, I, want, I don't want to be that person anymore. And then when I found myself in, in sin and in weakness and and, and yet, I would come to the Lord and I would, I would say, God, you, you have to hurt me or do something bad to me. And He would say, I love you. And I'd say, how could you love me? I just, I just did that same sin that you've delivered me from, that I know I'm set free from. And I'm walking in it again. And He would say, I love you, because He was seeing through the outside part that was sinning and, and into a heart that, that, that needed God and needed help. And in that, and then when you have that heart and when you cry out with a sincere heart to God, God's going to honor that. And so I don't care how broad Satan's Highway is. You can find that narrow road that leads to Jesus if you desire it, and that's why the Bible says that that if you seek me with your whole heart, I love you guys. You guys, I love it when that was like a bunch of you got it because I say it so much, right? And when you get it, it just blesses me. When you seek me with your whole heart, now now there, there's a qualifier there. And I heard a pastor say this one time, and I thought it was a little abrasive, but now I find myself saying it because it's true. And he said, God is not interested in half-seekers. He's not interested in people that, you know, that He's not going to honor it. It's just the truth. I, I asked Jesus in my heart when I was in eighth grade. I didn't become a Christian. I didn't get born again because I didn't fully surrender all of my heart to God. I wanted i wanted to give God 80%. As a 14-year-old kid, in... You know, in L.A., the south side, I, I I liked some of the things I was doing, and I said to God, hey, I, I kind of know you're true, and I know it's real, but I want to hang on to a few of these things in my life, and, and, and I want to give you the rest. And nothing happened. No magic. No salvation. And by the grace of God, when I was 20 years old, and, and and just, blah, my life was just in destruction, because I just went through hell from 14 to 20, became addicted in bondage and all kinds of junk in my life, and by the grace of God, gave me a second chance, but when I prayed the same exact words at 20 years old that I prayed at 14, this time I gave God my whole heart, and I said, God, I, I give you, I surrender, I don't want to be this person anymore, Jesus, I need you, I give you all of my life, come into my heart, be my Lord and Savior, and my life radically changed, and the power of God's Holy Spirit came in me. I had an experience post-salvation, I got saved in March of 1994, and, and about six months later, God was waking me up in the morning to pray. And and it was you know I'm not a morning person and um, five o'clock in the morning I would wake up and I would nose the Holy Spirit and, and I would start to spend time with the Lord in the mornings and I, I'm not in that season today I wish God was still doing that my whole walk with Jesus but it was a special season and I think after a while I started sleeping through him and then God stopped waking me up at five in the morning to spend time with him but it was one of those moments and um, in the morning early and and, and God and I was praying I was spending time with the Lord and. Um, I began to speak in tongues. God gave me the gift of speaking in tongues. And to me, I love that God gave me that gift in that way because I didn't understand it intellectually. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't have some pastor, like, trying to tell me to give it to me or put it on me where it was weird. It was, it was so natural. It was the Holy Spirit. I was alone. It was in my room. I was with Jesus, and I began to speak in tongues, you know. And in some churches, you go in, the pastor brings you up, and he tells you, repeat after me. She rode in on a Honda. She rode in on a Honda. And he starts shaking you, you know, and you got to... And you got to repeat after him. She wrote it on it. And then supposedly you're supposed to start speaking in tongues, you know. But I, I didn't have that experience. And so there was nothing weird. There was nothing awkward about it. It was just, it, it was authentic. And so I began to use this prayer language. And, um, and I literally, I literally felt this, you know, thing, oppression just come off of me in that moment as the Holy Spirit just set me free. And it, it was a physical feeling of something that, that, was, that I had carried that God removed. Amen should I preach my sermon now? Should I go back to my notes? Just kidding. Um, I got a little off, but maybe it was a Spirit. Somebody needed to hear that. Um, so um, what I was explaining, and hopefully don't, don't, get it, don't, don't get it too twisted and all that, bringing it back, I was talking about two roads, right? A broad road and a narrow road. Where did the broad road start? Everybody in the back? Started with Nimrod in Babylon, Genesis chapter ten and eleven, right? Okay, where is it gonna end? Started as a V and it's been growing, right, for the last thousands and thousands of years. Two thousand years before Christ, two thousand years since Christ, and it's going to be destroyed where? Where will this, this Babylonian religion end? In Revelation chapter seventeen and eighteen. Okay, I'll give you that either one you call. Seventeen is the religious part of it. And 18 is the commercial part of it. Now, under the rule of Antichrist during this period of human history, during the seven-year tribulation, um, again, trying to understand what is this Babylon, Babylonian religion? Is it a is it a religious system? Is it a, is it a physical location, Babylon? And that's a big question we want to answer as we go through this. And I think it can be both or will be both. And I think as we go through 18, you'll kind of see what I'm talking about, that um, there, there's a system and there's also... Probably a physical location. Now, where is the physical location that the Antichrist will set up his commercial? Because basically, when you read in here, this is like buildings falling and um, fire. And there's there's merchant ships that are off the coast and they're looking from their boats onto land. And they're mourning because they can see the smoke of Babylon rising. And so it has to be also a physical location of a place that God is going to destroy in chapter 18. So, and then what he destroys there is the entire commercial system that has been set up and uh, that the Antichrist will rule and reign through. Now, the, the Antichrist will have multiple divisions of what he does as he rules and reigns on planet Earth for the seven years of the Great Tribulation. And, and so he'll have the religious wing and he'll have a guy that's going to run that for him. that guy is called the? No, the Antichrist has a henchman, the false prophet. And the false prophet, you see this this unholy trinity in the book of Revelation: the devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet. The false prophet will run the religious wing. The antichrist himself will more focus on, and the end, the false prophet will direct the worship towards the the antichrist, this this human political leader who will be filled with Satan. And um, the antichrist will have the commercial, the financial, the political, and then in Daniel, fascinating. It says that the antichrist is going to worship the god of munitions. So the antichrist is going to be, and makes sense. He's going to be highly, highly fascinated and engulfed in his reign um, with military and technology, military technology and weapons. He's going to worship the god of weapons and and all the future technology that they have of weaponry and these things. And so you have the military wing, the political wing. The antichrist will lead his military. In chapter 19, where we'll get to next week, into the battle of Armageddon, where Jesus and we will come back on white horses in the battle of Armageddon in the um, in the Jezreel Valley there in Israel, where the battle of Armageddon will take place. So he'll have these four wings or five wings of um, his his enterprise, and then what's, what's what we're going to see here at the end of 17, which I kind of I learned this with you guys this this week studying this. But the Antichrist is going to turn on the false prophet, and he's going to destroy the religious part of Babylon. I guess he just wants to be so engulfed with power and control that as God destroys um, this religious system in chapter 17, we're going to see that um, he's going to do it, they're going to implode. And so the Holy Spirit is obviously leading it. God is leading it. But there's an implosion that's going to take place at the end of 17. So where we left off last week was was verse number 7. I'm going to try to go through the verses quickly, more talk about them in general sense as we go through this stuff. And it says, but the angel said to me, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they see the beast that was and is not and yet is. And so this is the Antichrist. And so they, um, the, the, the narrative here is for those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. I think that we mentioned that last week just again as, a, as another reminder that your name has to be written in the Lamb's book of life to go to heaven. And that's something that you... You know, you want to know that you know that you know that you know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then in verse 9, he says, Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Now, the traditional interpretation of verse number 9 here um, is Rome. Because Rome is a city known as the city on seven hills traditionally. And so we see that in another place in the Bible. To me, this is a little different because this is not seven hills, it's seven mountains. Um... You, you might, you know, find in the Greek word, the word mountain here, translating hills, mountains, those things. So some would see, see this as Rome. And, and because, um, you know, for a lot of years, it, it, felt, it felt like this false religious system that the Antichrist um, was leading could be very physically, very practically located in Rome. And so a lot of, Bible te- commentators and, 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 and went that direction and just made this Rome. Now, it's one of the possible locations of physical Babylon. Now, we have physical Babylon is going to be destroyed, right? So some believe that physical Babylon will actually be, because the Bible is literal, that it will be rebuilt on the historical side of, of Babel and then later Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, where, where Nimrod built the Tower of Babel. A um, thousand years later, Nimrod, I'm sorry, um, Nebuchadnezzar built the, the, ba- the city of Babylon. And so that it will be there. Nebu- uh, not Nebuchadnezzar. Um, Saddam Hussein, before he died, he believed he was a, a reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar. He even had a coin minted in, in Iraq with his face on one side and Nebuchadnezzar's face on the other side. And he, and he began plans to have the historic Babylon rebuilt. It's about 50 miles from Baghdad. And they they began to rebuild the walls and they began to rebuild it because Saddam Hussein fancied himself as the modern day Nebuchadnezzar. You know what's funny about that? If you read the story of Nebuchadnezzar in his pride, it says that his heart was lifted up with pride and that um, God, I don't know what he did, He, he turned him into an ox basically. Nebuchadnezzar lived and believed he was an ox for years, seven years in the book of Daniel. And it says that his nails overgrew, his hair overgrew, he 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 ate grass like a, like an ox in his rebellion. I guess Saddam Hussein didn't study that part of Nebuchadnezzar's life, right? But but what's funny is remember the pictures you see of, of Saddam Hussein after they captured him or as he was running, his hair was overgrown, his nails were overgrown. That picture of him and they're pulling lice out of his beard and his hair, and he was he looked like an animal. Like I guess he wasn't Nebuchadnezzar he, reincarnated. I don't know. But, but some believe that Babylon, the, the physical location, again, will be there of the, the city. Um, you know, for a long time we said maybe New York because New York just made sense because it's going to be a place where commerce will take place, a financial capital. It has a, a port there because it says that the ships will be parked in the, in the bay overlooking it. Today we look at places like Dubai. Dubai is the new New York City and the new financial capital of the world. It also is built near the ports and those kind of things. So where where Antichrist will set up his? Because again, he will have a physical location that that he'll set up his commerce from. Um, it's not it's not really important, but it could be any of those cities. Um, Babylon right now is hard for me to see, but who knows? You know, they they can. Rome wasn't built in a day, but I think they could build Babylon back in a day. You know, the temple is not there, and we will have a rebuilt Jewish temple, and it's going to go up fast. So it's possible that. They build something fast and physically there. In verse 10 it says, there are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is and the other is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short time. So, again, these are kind of historical things through Daniel. I'm going to kind of skip through this stuff a little bit. But these five kings, um, there's been five world-dominating powers since Adam and Eve. and, And so Rome would have been the fifth. And so um, we know that Antichrist, according to Daniel and the statue that Nebuchadnezzar's dream, that the ten toes of of partly iron and partly clay, that we're the people of the toes, that's where we live. And that's the revived Roman Empire that um, Antichrist, Daniel predicts that the Antichrist will come out of this revived Roman Empire. And so here the Antichrist is going to come out of these things in verse 11. The beast that was and is not and is himself also the eighth and is of the seventh is going to perdition. Only two people in the Bible called perdition or sons of perdition. One is the Antichrist here. And do you guys remember who the other one is? Very simply. Nobody wants to take a crack at that one. I thought it was easy. Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot, son of perdition. The only two people the Bible records that Satan himself will enter. Lots of demonic um, stories of demonic oppression and possession. But Satan himself will enter two people that we know of in human history. I don't know that we can say where we're just speaking from silence that he hasn't or can't possess anybody else himself, but it's only recorded in the Bible of two. One will be Judas Iscariot, and the other one will be the Antichrist, where Satan himself will do the work. In verse 12, it says, The ten horns which you saw are the ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. So, again, these ten toes of Daniel, and here it's it's confirmation that there will be a ten-nation confederation around the Antichrist. So however the Antichrist rules and reigns, he's going, to, he's going to maybe ten regions of the world. or ten. It doesn't necessarily have to be ten current countries as we have now because there's been cataclysmic events that have already taken place. There's been you know, amazing things that have changed already on planet Earth. But there are ten um, nations, ten areas that will be organized under Antichrist, it speaks of here, and that they will rule and reign with him, or they'll give him um, his authority and he'll be the king of them. And in verse 13, these are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. So these ten nations, these ten kings, um, they'll rule for a short time. How long in verse 12 does it say they're going to rule for? One hour. And they're going to be happy to let the Antichrist lead them in verse 13. And then in verse 14, it says, these will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. Who's the Lamb? Jesus. When will these make war with the Lamb? And the battle of Armageddon, for he is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. That's your clue because that's what it's going to say at the battle of Armageddon. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. And that's us. And then it says in verse 15, so that's a little verse there, 14, a little highlight about Armageddon. And then in verse 15 it says, Then he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are people, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And listen, the ten horns which you saw on the beast... These will hate the harlot and make her desolate. So these ten nations that are going to um, be organized under the Antichrist, and these ten nations or these ten kings are going to allow the Antichrist to rule over them and the world, they are going to hate and turn on the harlot of, of Revelation 17, the woman who rides the beast. This false Babylonian religious system that is set up under the Antichrist, this one world religion. And so it's these ten nations... And again, by this time, the, the, their power and their greed and their um, their wealth is amassed so much that they're ready to get rid of the religious wing of the Antichrist rule. And the way, you know, oftentimes in the Bible we see that where God um, does war on a certain nation, but he doesn't he doesn't even use anybody else. The people themselves turn on each other. You know, and they wake up when the, the Israelites wake up in the morning and they look out and they're all dead because they turned on each other in the night. And so that kind of seems what happens here is that. In verse 16, they will hate the harlot and make her desolate and naked and eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. Is that pretty clear, verse 17? So God is going to put it in the hearts of these ten nations. He's the one that's going to be pulling the heartstrings. That's going to cause them to turn on this Babylonian religion, the false prophet. And again, the religious system destroyed in 17 and commercial um, economic political Babylon destroyed in 18 where we're headed. But it's it's cool because God's going to use these 10 nations to destroy religious Babylon to be of one mind and to give their kingdoms to the beast until the word, the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman who you saw is that great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. And then that brings us to chapter 18, the fall of Babylon, the great. Now that, that seems a little redundant if we're not um, studying the context of what's falling because the the fall of Babylon the Great had already happened in 17, right? It says in 17, verse 5, Mystery Babylon, the Great, the Mother of Harlots, in all capitals in your Bible, the Mother of Harlots and the Abomination of the Earth. Um, and, then, and then here we get to 18. It says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven having great authority and the earth was illuminated with his glory. So is this a, the same angel of 17 or a different one? It's a different angel. So this is another step, another procedure that's taking place. The other angel from 17 took care of putting it in the hearts of these 10 nations to turn on the religious system. The religious system is destroyed. In chapter 18, um, another angel is going to come and do a second work. In verse 2, And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has Come a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. That sound like fun to anybody? Anybody want to hang out there? Verse 3 says, For all, everybody say all. All the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So spiritual fornication is what we talked about last week in this context. Um, also, I'm sure tons of literal fornication. And one of the things that, that, that they become drunk with is the, the fornication of this, um, you know, the, the false system, this commercial system, religious system. And when um, the Holy Spirit is taking out and there's no restraints and there's no restrainer, the the, the evil that's going to take place on planet Earth is just going to reach an all time all-time low, never seen before. You know, even the Bible says Jesus said, "As it was in the days of um, uh, Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man." Well, in the days of Noah, right before the flood, there was um, great evil on the earth, but this this will surpass that. And you know, one of the things, one of the phenomenons, for whatever reason, what's global in our world today, and I'm sure it's a part of this system, is that that pedophilia has become the new just evil in our world, and it's everywhere, and it's every function of life, and and. You know, with the Epstein's and the things, and all this ex- exposure that, and even around the world, I don't know how much you guys have seen. I don't have too many details, but in Saudi Arabia, and Afghanistan, and all over the world, the the epidemic of pedophilia that is just rampant in our world, and it's 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 the deception of Satan, part of just the evil of what takes place when the when the restrainer is fully removed. And then it says. Um, in verse number four, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. Now, I have to tell you, I have a little hard time with verse four. He says, come out of her, my people. But we know that at, at this point, the mark of the beast has already been issued. We've already kind of reached a point of no return in the book of Revelation. We do know that The 144,000 Jewish evangelists are there. Um, They've been preaching. They've been present. The angels are flying through the sky. Um, Not really sure what remnant is left at this point, you know, that who this group is that he tells to come out of her. But but undoubtedly there's something remaining of his people that he's calling to come out. And then in verse 5 it says, For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. In the me- in the measures that she glorified herself and lived luxurious, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow. For she says in her heart, I sit as queen and am no widow and will not see tomorrow. Now, she's delusional. She's no queen. She's the whore of Babylon. And um, again, though, what this fits is this same... Babylonian religious concept and idea. Semiramis was a wife that Nimrod took from a brothel and gave her the title Queen of Heaven. And here the Whore of Babylon, this Babylonian religious system and the system of the Antichrist is claiming to be a queen, but she's she's obviously no queen. And in verse 8 it says, therefore her plague will come in one day. How long? In one day. In one day, you guys, listen. Listen, God's going to fix it. What what injustices are just got you bugged out, got you up at night, got you angry, got you grumpy? You guys get grumpy or just me? I have a bad habit. When I get really grumpy, grumpy I have to drink a monster. It settles me down. I just chill out a little bit. But, the, you know, the, the, this world is just full of injustice. I just can't even begin to describe it. I could try and you guys know it. I mean, but the, the, the world that we live in, and it's all by design, you know, from here, let me share this with you really quickly. This is from uh, this is a Russian manifesto from 1919, and this is the way they're going to their changes they're going to make in the world. Corrupt the young to get them away from religion, get them interested in sex and make them superficial, destroy their their ruggedness. Number two, get control of all means of publicity and media. You know, I, 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 for the life of me, I keep saying to myself, how do we... i got to be careful here because I'm going to get political. But how do we let somebody lead the greatest superpower in the world that can't form a sentence? And how does he get away with that? How does, how do, I don't get it. how anybody thinks that's a good idea, but the only one way that's possible. They completely control the media. And that's what's happened. That's exactly what's happened. And then in verse 3 it says... Get people's minds off the government by focusing their attention on athletics, sex, sexy books, and other tri- uh, trivialities. Divide the people into hostile groups by co- constantly harping on controversial matters of no importance. Is that happening today? Destroy the people's faith in their natural leaders by holding up the la- the latter to up to contempt, ridicule. Always preach true democracy, but seize power as fast and as ruthlessly as possible. By encouraging government extravagance, destroy its credit and produce fear and inflation with rising prices and, and general discontent. Forment, forment unnecessary strikes in vital industries, encourage civil disorders, and foster lenient and soft attitude on the part of government towards such disorders. By specious arguments, cause the breakdown of the old moral virtues, honesty, sobriety, countenance, faith in the pledged word, and and the ruggedness of the people. Cause the registration of all firearms on some pretext with a view to confiscating them and leaving the populace helpless. And then another one, this one is from 1969. This is from the director of Planned Parenthood and this was um, their manifesto. Homosexuality will be promoted as no longer to be considered abnormal behavior. Hard to cure diseases will be created. Hard to detect means will be developed for inducing heart attack assassinations. Drug addiction will be promoted so the unfit will die. Euthanasia will be more accepted as the cost of medical care will intentionally be made burdensome. Divorce will be made easier. ID badges will become more prevalent to eventually being implanted under the skin or as a transmitter. All payments and purchases transactions will be done electronically by computers controlled by one central banking system. All major world religions, especially Christianity, will have to change into a new world religion and the church will help to bring it about. Terrorism will be used to make the people demand more central controls. And so, you know, it's exactly what 9-11 did, right? It gave them um, freedom to of our privacy. So, again, this this system or these ideas, they're not new. They're demonic. They're, they're all over our world. Today, We um, they, they're kind of labeled... Uh, The New World Order is the idea or the concept. Or the Great Reset is now the kind of replacing. They're trying to replace the term the New World Order with um, the Great Reset. But it's the same concept of globalization, of moving towards what we're going to see come to pass. And then again, once the Antichrist rules, they're going to get it. They're going to have their their way, the one world government, the one religion, economies, militaries. And then it's going to last for one hour, for a short time, it says. And then the Lord is going to show up and end it all. And so, you know, the, the thing is, the frustrations that we have in the world and the injustices that we're seeing, that, that here we should be encouraged. It's actually going to say in the end here when I get to it, it's going to say that, that, that we, should, we should rejoice as we see this happen. And we will rejoice because finally, and it's going to be no more. And so, you know, sometimes we want God to fix it now. But yeah, let me tell you something. He's not going to fix it now. I don't care who you vote for in the next election. That politician is not going to fix it now. No matter if Trump comes back or or who you get or you vote Putin in for your next president. It's not going to change. It's not going to fix things. It's going to have to continue to some degree to get worse moving towards these things. But the the good news is as things fall apart, things are coming together biblically and it's getting closer to the time when you're going to be transformed, when you're going to be um, raptured and taken in an instant. And so there'll come a time and God will set things right. So what do we do in the meantime? Murmur and complain and just be grumpy all the time. Listen, you got, you got to guard your joy. Don't let these things steal your joy. Jesus is still on the throne. I read the last chapter. It's coming up in a couple weeks says, Jesus wins. (laughs) So, you know, and and in the meantime, Christians, there's work to be done, right? You know anybody that's not going to heaven? You know anybody that doesn't know Jesus? That's your responsibility to some degree, right? It's your responsibility to be a witness, not your responsibility to save them. Jesus will do that. But it's definitely your, your responsibility to be a faithful witness and share the gospel, share the truth with them. And there is work to be done in the meantime, but again, let's let's not let these things um, get the better of us or discourage us or, or rob our joy. Right? We we want to. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is so important. In our, and as things get worse, and you know, I cannot watch the news. I feel like you know, I feel like I need to be informed. I need to be up on current events. And I try to watch the news, and I just can't do it. I don't have the personality. Because six months ago, when I turned it on. And then six months later when I turned it on, it was the same exact stuff and nothing changed. And the same talking heads, talking nonsense about something that's supposed to be important today that tomorrow will be nonsense. And I just can't do it. I, I, maybe I need someone in my life that watches it and tells me what's going on. But it robs my joy too. And I find, I find myself getting grumpy. If that's you, turn, the, turn it off and open your Bible. Read the Psalms where David says, oh, as the deer pants for water, oh doth my soul pant for you, O Lord. Let that encourage your soul and let that let that bring joy in your life. And then just know that the frustration that we see with the injustice that takes place all around us. You know, and again I could get into all the injustices. I have them all in my head, all these things that just bother me too. You know, watching what my mom's going through with the with her sickness and the way that she, she has forty seven medicine bottles on her table and all this stuff that they give her and all this nonsense, the way that we treat our elderly and, and people with, with pharmaceuticals and how the pharmaceuticals have just completely raped our world. And, and, and it's like, but listen, it, it, it's supposed to frustrate us, but not, not to rob our joy. You're supposed to love and, and have joy in Jesus in your life. But it's also supposed to give us a longing for heaven. This world is not our home. And when that stuff frustrates me, I'm just like, okay, well, this is not my home. I want to be in heaven that much more. Jesus. And I start praying, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Even so, Lord Jesus, come get us. And I go start witnessing because, you know, the Bible says when the last Gentile gets saved, then Jesus is going to come back. So maybe Jesus is waiting on you guys to share your faith with your neighbor so he can come, come get us. And if I'm waiting on you to tell your neighbor so I can go home, you better go tell your neighbor. Do us all a favor. Or maybe you're sitting in this room today and you haven't got saved and God's waiting on you, you know, and, 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 and it's the grace of God, right? Why, why does God deal with this injustice? You guys don't have a bad either. Like, you think we got it grumpy and have to deal with this injustice? Can you imagine um, the God every morning, he has to wake up and, and see the news? You, you get to see what happens in your neighborhood, things you know about, and yet God sees every injustice around the entire world on a daily basis and he has to, he has to stomach this and deal with this, Right? And yet His grace continues because His grace continues because there's people out there that still aren't saved that he's, he's, he's pouring out His Spirit upon that He wants to see come to Christ before He comes back because when He comes back on Noah's Ark, the door closed. And when the door closes, the door closes. And He's leaving the door open because of His grace and His mercy. And, and he's, he's obviously, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is, still has a personality and a heart and, and the Holy Spirit can be grieved and I just can't imagine if I, if I knew of everything around the world all the time was going on and had to deal with that. And yet the Lord still is waiting. He's waiting for people to get saved because of his great love. It's hardcore. All right, well, let's try to finish this chapter. I've got about ten minutes left. Can you guys do ten more minutes? Feels like we've been going a long time already, but I still got ten minutes. Um. All right, you guys are supposed to be encouraged by that. I have a note in my Bible here It says, encourage. Are you encouraged or not? Or did I get into too much uh, blah? Be encouraged. The Lord's going to fix it, all right? We got one more encouragement verse in verse 20. Then the kings of the earth who committed fornication, verse 9, and lived luxuriously with her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning, standing at a distance for fear of her torment, saying, alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that, might city, that mighty city, for in one hour, how long? Your judgment has come and the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her for no one buys their merchandise anymore. So this great luxury that's been built and you can only imagine the lap of luxury that they'll be living in with, with the power and the control and everything they'll have and, the, and they're beginning to weep because it's being in one hour destroyed, but they're not weeping and their hearts are not broken over over injustice or God, their hearts are being broken because this wealth that they amass this commercial system that exists in our world today that perverts our world today is going to be destroyed i 've seen this special um, on on this week, and I want to tell you guys just listen, be warned about any kind of investments um, ads you 're getting or any there's billions and billions and billions of dollars out of the United States monthly from investment scams and different scams that come through your emails and your phone calls and um, and this kind of, you know, commercial system of, again, raping the people and 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 they're out there. What shocked me? You know where the, the capital is of investment scams in the world? So Jamaica does the lottery scam. Number one for Jamaica is, yeah, and Jamaica's doing millions. There's a place where they're doing billions, but they're investment scams. And it's Tel Aviv, Israel. Yeah, that kind of bummed me out, but... That's where it's taking place because they have the technology and the things that. That's where, and they 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 they're very elaborate. They build complete um, business models and websites, and it just looks so legit. And they're, you know, they're 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 putting out these investment opportunities all over the world, and people think they're investing in these legitimate companies, and and they're they're just so just be careful, just be careful with that stuff. That's the kind of stuff that's coming to an end, and that that God is going to destroy. That God hates these things. You know, um, there'll be no more commercialism in heaven. When we go for a thousand-year reign, um, uh, the millennial reign in Christ, God will do away with those things. There'll be no more capital. There'll be no more uh, monopolies, and everything will be just and fair, and nobody will be ripping us off. And we'll probably work for what we have, and we'll be able to build and earn. In verse um, number 11, it says, uh, verse number 12, it says, Merchandise of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple silk, scarlet, every kind of citron wood. Every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood, bronze, iron, and marble, so it's just again talking about the luxury and the um, of what they had of cinnamon, incense, fragrant, frankincense, wine, oil, flour, wheat, cattle, sheep, horses, chariots, and um, bodies and souls of men. This doesn't sound like Dubai to me man this is I've been on all the the Sikh in dubai, the gold market, the spice market it's pretty opulent down there in verse fourteen it says. The fruit, of, of the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things which are rich and splendid have gone from you, and you shall find them no more at all. Just really quickly in verse 14, you know, God hates this commercial city, and he's going to destroy it. He hates this commercial system. And, and Jesus said if you gain the whole world, and the, when it says the world there, that, that, that Greek word is cosmos. He's not just talking about Earth. He's talking about the whole thing. You get it all. Mars, the sun, the moon, the galaxy. If you gain the entire cosmos and you lose your soul, you made a bad deal. If you gain the entire cosmos and in exchange you lose your soul, Jesus said you made a bad deal. So all this commercialism and all this chasing the carrot at the end of the string, um, you know, it's very dangerous. I want to be careful. The Bible says... That, that money is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's the love of money. And it's the trust of money. And, and having things and, and doing well for yourself is not sinful. But when you trust in those things before you trust in God, that's what he's talking about. He's, Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. Now, plenty of rich men will enter heaven. And so, um, you know, and, and some people say the eye of the needle. When Jesus said that, the, the, the eye of the needle was a gate in, in Jerusalem. And so you, if you took a camel and you took all of his stuff out and you got him on his knees and you pushed him from behind and you pulled him in the front, you could get him through the gate. But it was hard. But that's not what it says. Jesus is literally talking about a sewing needle and it's harder to get a camel through the eye of a sewing needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven. And literally what it says is for a person who trusts in their riches. Because you can't trust in your riches and trust in God at the same time. You get one or the other. You can't serve both God and mammon, Jesus said, because you'll love one and hate the other. And so, again, just being on our guard, you know, and we chase stuff. You, you know, I, I'm, I'm guilty, and I heard these stats on this stuff this week, and I'm like, yep, yeah, that's me. But it talks about we have, you know, Lydia and I just bought a brand-new car, and it parks outside my garage because I've got so much junk in my garage I can't fit my car in there. And it's like, you know, all that stuff that's worth nothing in my garage, and my, my brand-new car sits outside because I can't park it in there. But just all the stuff that we have. And useless stuff. So just being careful that we don't let those things, um, you know, take over our lives. Because they are intended to do that. That we get caught up with the cares of this world. And let's not get caught up with the cares of this world and continue to invest in the kingdom of God, right? Continue to invest. And I'm not talking about here at Twilla Springs. I don't care about that. I'm talking about investing in your eternity. That one day you're going to be transformed. You're going to stand before Jesus. And he's going to give you a reward based on how you lived this life and what you did. And so Jesus said, store up for yourselves, not for your church. I'm not talking about us or our you know, anything to do with us. For yourself, it says. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Right? Amen? All right. So get her done. Now we only got a few minutes and lots of verses. But we're gonna finish. Let's go to verse fifteen. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, the great city which was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, how long? Such great riches has come to nothing. Every shipmaster who also traveled by ships, sailors, as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What is like this great city and it's gone? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, the great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. So the ships that are off the coast are looking inland and they're seeing the smoke arising. How far out? Who knows? Or how big of destruction? But it's there. Now, quick question. Is what's being destroyed here that we're reading about? Is it a system or is it a physical city? Okay, I think it's both. And I think we're seeing is both. There is the religious system or there is the commercial system of the Antichrist that is being destroyed. And yes, it probably has a physical location somewhere as well, because some of this stuff is sounds really literal as you read through it. You know, it's 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 literal um, events that are taking place. Verse 20 says, Rejoice over her, O heavens, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Where will we be when when Babylon is being destroyed in heaven? And, and this verse is addressed to who? Those that are in, verse 20, in heaven. Those that are in heaven. And so we're, again, to rejoice in this moment because God's justice that we're longing for is fulfilled. Amen? So today we can rejoice. Today we can rejoice that it's not today, but we is coming, and we do have the promise of God that God is going to set things right. Amen? OK, we're almost done, you guys. And then in verse 21, it says "Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, thus, with violence, the great city Babylon shall be thrown down and shall not be found in anymore any more eternally. So, again, this this commercial system, this um, perversion of of trying to, you know, steal your money in every way. You know, it's it's not like a conspiracy theory anymore. I think maybe when it first started getting introduced, we might have thought it was conspiracy theory, but the fact that your phone is listening to you, let me tell you, that's not a conspiracy theory. That's just fact. Your phone is listening to you. Um, I've had it happen so many times now that I'm not even shocked anymore. Over the winter, I was I was wanting to buy a new jacket, and I was talking to Lydia and I think Marilyn and Gerald were there, and we were having a conversation. We go to the mall. I was going to look for a new jacket. I opened up my Facebook and I got 17 ads for brand new jackets. Never had an ad for a jacket again. I've had that happen so many times. Um, I forget what the last one was. I was talking to somebody about a barbecue and then, you know, what they do with the information right now, i probably just to how to solicit you in advertising, but maybe some point, you know, but we don't have to worry about it. We're not going to be here and, you know, if we don't got nothing to hide, it doesn't bother me that much, but I'm not naive either. They are, you know, they are tuning in and listening. I mean, it's not like you know, they need to send the FBI to investigate. I, I I hold it here when I talk so that they make sure they hear me. I got nothing to hide, right? And, and I don't care if they're what they're using it for, you know, but, but it is there. Um, but it's going to go away. Amen? And it's never going to come back. It's not going to go away for a season and then we have to deal with it again. God is going to set things right eternally. Let's have the worship team come up, close us in a song as I read these last couple of verses. And it says in verse 22, The sound of the harpists, the musicians, the flutists, the trumpets shall not be heard in you anymore. Nor craftsmen nor any craft shall be found in you anymore. And the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you anymore. And the light of a lamp shall not shine in you anymore. And the voice of a bridegroom and a bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived. So, again, how many nations? So by the sorcery and, and really this, this lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, everything that the Antichrist had to offer in these false commercial um, systems was enticed. And everybody in the world was, every, all nations of the earth that were left were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And were caught up in this. And they're all going to be judged in the end. And everything they had is going to be taken in one hour. You know, as a pastor, one of the things I do is I, I, I do uh, celebration of life, funeral services, and I've done a bunch, and, and I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it carrying all their stuff. Can't take it with you when you go. But the Bible does say you can send it ahead, which is nice. And it's going to be destroyed in, in one hour, the current situation. In verse 24, and it says, And in her was found the blood of the prophets and the saints, and all who were slain on the earth. Good news? Read ahead. Revelation 19. Read ahead. Because in Revelation 19, guess what happens? Jesus comes back. Amen. Amen. Jesus comes back and sets things right. Let's stand together. Chapter 20, we're going to study the millennial reign of Christ. In chapter 21 and 22, we're going to see a new heaven and a new earth. And so there's victory, um, chapter 19, the battle of Armageddon, and the second coming of Christ. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we come before you and we thank you, Father, so much for this day. And we ask your blessing, Lord, over each person that's here. And, Father, now as we desire just to minister to everybody that's in this room, that your Holy Spirit would speak to hearts. And if somebody is in need of prayer, of encouragement, of questions, anything, Lord, that that we as a staff, as a people would would love and meet the needs of our church as we continue these last few minutes. Uh, Lord, we thank you and we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.